Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Growth Podcast. I'm your host, Carolina Salazar. I hope you're having an amazing day, and I'm so excited for today's guest episode. I'm here with Angie, who's also known as Healthful Radiance on Instagram and is one of my amazing friends. Oh. So I'm so excited to be recording and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. This is incredible. This is the vibe We're in I the want. studio. This is the vibe I want for my apartment one day. Oh, yes. <laughs> we love it. The yes. neutrals, the plants. It's so relaxing. I'm, I'm going to let loose. I love it. <laughs> Welcome to the show. I'm so excited. And before we started recording, I asked you if you knew your sun, moon, and rising. Which I didn't. Which you didn't. So we pulled it up and oh it's God. time for the truth. Let's see. This is like so an you unboxing. Know, you know you're an Aries. I know that. That's all I know. What is that? Is that like my sun rising? Moon rising? That's your sun. That's my sun. Yeah. Okay. And then we pulled it up. So I have your chart and you're a Libra rising. Oh. And then you are also a... Virgo moon, which makes a lot of sense to me. Oh my god, is that a good thing? <laughs> yes. Okay. So, I mean, there's no good or bad. Okay, but, like, but it's not the like reason tragic. why Virgo moon makes so much sense to me, at least, oh, is because when we were having brunch before this, you were telling me how like you plan out your posts and you know exactly when something's gonna is that go live, moon? and you're like planning out your all your outfits <laughs> and packing for your trips two weeks in advance. Um, like not my secrets Virgo. coming out the first two minutes of the podcast. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's Virgo energy. Like Virgo is the planner, especially with like your thoughts. Okay, that makes sense. Then. That makes sense. Me living out of my suitcase two weeks before a vacation. Yeah, yeah. Fully like planning <laughs> out, like doing like a lookbook. Yeah, no, like everything's ready to go. My trip's not until September, so. <laughs> and it's like that would give you emotional peace. Yeah, almost, yeah. You know, which yeah. Is I'm the like, moon. I feel like comforted by the fact that everything's done. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. I don't hate yeah. it. Yeah, and it's in your eleventh house also, so it's. Kind of like with your dreams too, I would imagine, or like aspirations, like things that you're looking forward to, like having that organization. Yeah, definitely more of a type A or person. So yeah, okay. Cool. But then you have a lot of Aries, but then you have a Libra rising, which is opposite sign of Aries. So that means that you have all of your Aries stuff in your Libra house. Which where is my funny Libra house? Fact. So <laughs> Libra traditionally rules the seventh house. Okay. But for you, Aries rules that house, so it's like flipped. Okay. I'm actually an Aries rising, so it's the opposite. Of me. So mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. both of my parents have Libra risings. Pedro's dad is a Libra rising and he's also an Aries. So you're actually like similar chart structures, but you have a ton of Aries because you have Aries Sun, Aries Mercury, Aries Mars, and Aries Saturn. Oh, so little, you're a little fiery queen. Yeah, I could have told you that. <laughs> could have told you that without that birth chart, but I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> yes. But then the Libra rising too, to me, is like anyone with a Libra rising is like everything that you do is beautiful. Oh, like very amazing kind. sense of aesthetics. And yeah, I feel like confident. I'm very drawn to like things that are beautiful. Not that I necessarily make them, but I'm drawn to them. Yeah, like <laughs> wanting to create beauty and like Aww. I think that's also like the food aspect. Yeah, for sure, which we'll definitely get into. Yeah. So there is a little <laughs> mini reading for you. Oh, now we know. Thank you. thank you. No, I'm definitely gonna look into that further because I'm interested though. <laughs> yeah. Now you know that you're a Libra rising in Virginia. Now I'm gonna tell everyone that I mean I'm a Libra rising. Yeah. Not that it means anything to them, but <laughs> yeah. Then you can do your own research and learn about it. <laughs> I'm gonna write my own thesis paper. Just know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So before we dive into anything else, I want to ask you sure. to kind of tell the listeners a little bit about your own inner growth journey yeah. and what that means to you. Like when you think about growing internally and growing into who you are today, when like when did that start for you and what has that kind of involved? Yeah. So I think I've gone through multiple periods of growth. I think like growth is like never ending. Um, so I think I'll just take it back to like when I started my social media presence at all. Yeah. Um, so we were just talking about this actually on the walkover, but I've been on Instagram, I think like eight years now, which is mind blowing it's crazy to me. It's mind blowing that Instagram even has been around that long. I feel like it's still new, but it's obviously not. Um, 
But yeah, I started in high school. In you basically started when Instagram kind of started. Basically. Instagram, to me, started around 2012, 2013. Yeah. Which is 10 years ago. Which is crazy. I remember doing a deep clean of my personal Instagram feed recently, and it was like, pictures from like after school clubs at middle school I was like this is a long time commitment I'm here um but yeah I started healthful radiance my Instagram profile um it wasn't called healthful radiance at the time what was it called seeking stronger wings it was super vulnerable of a username but I started it as a eating disorder recovery account it was anonymous it was a food diary um and it was to hold me accountable to my meal plan which i was not sticking to um at the time i like, like to gain weight back yeah yeah i was working with a treatment team um and i was working with like dietitians and i always had like meal plans and like stuff that i wasn't sticking to um and this was after junior year of high school and this is like my third or fourth run trying to like stick to a meal plan and i just started this instagram on a whim it was totally anonymous and i was kind of like let me use it as a diary to hold myself accountable. So I would post like my breakfast from my meal plan, which is like a bagel or something. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd be terrified to eat it. And in the past, I just wouldn't, right? But now I had this account and I would just take this picture. And I, again, drawn to like beauty, I tried to like make it look gorgeous and like have like plants and like lighting. It was just like fun for me. Um, and I think that really helped like make food fun too, is like having like some kind of visual aesthetic to it. Um, but anyway, I would just like post this bagel and I would write to like two people like, I'm so scared to eat this on my meal plan. Like, I don't know what to do. Like really vulnerable caption, um, anonymous account. So my face was not, my name wasn't on it. Um, and then would hashtag it like recovery or like meal plan, like thing, like very like hashtaggy words that would like take people to the post. I don't know. So people would reply and like comment back and be like, oh, you got this or like that looks delicious or like, oh, I had this on my meal plan too and I was able to do it. I'm like rooting for you. Also anonymous people in the same position as me. Um, And it was like really empowering. For some reason, I felt like really obligated to eat this bagel now. I was like, there's people out there rooting for me and not that I didn't have that in my life at home because like my family was very supportive. Um, It was just like this added layer of like people who have understand why it's scary because like you have your people at home or like your family, your friends who like understand you're going through a hard time, but they don't know why it's hard mm-hmm. or they can't fathom. Like, why are you afraid of food? Like, it doesn't make sense. Um, but there, yeah, are pe- true. there are people here that are like, oh, like I understand like the general fear and anxiety that you get from like sitting across from a bagel. Like people don't really understand that unless you've been through it. Um, so I had this like this connection now with this community that I didn't know existed. Um so it kind of like started getting like really addictive for me in a good way. Like where I was like, I always want to post my meals because I always want this like positive reinforcement. You um, need that, especially when you're recovering. You need that emotional support. Oh, yeah. 100%. You just need someone to know. And I think this was also a thing for me, too, because I was talking to people that were in my position at the same time, like people who were on meal plans. But then I started finding accounts of people who like moved out of recovery and now like we're like thriving in like a health and wellness in like a good way. And like, oh, like I did have an eating disorder. Or I did struggle with food. And now, like, here I am where I am now, like, thanks to recovery. Um, And I never saw that firsthand in my, like, daily life, like, offline. I didn't know anybody that struggled the way I did and then thrived afterward. I didn't know there was, like, an after. Um, So, like, Instagram kind of gave me, like, a sneak preview into, like, this could be you if you, like, do all the right things. Um, So another really, like, huge motivator to keep recovering and keep sticking to my meal plan and things like that. So I'm – at the time, like, this was – I think to go back to your question, this was, like, my first period of growth. Like, I was really – progress progressing progressing mm-hmm. that's it towards a good and healthy place with like weight gain and like sticking to my meal plan and being like accountable um so give that like a year maybe like less than a year um obviously you move on from a place of needing to gain the weight to now trying to sustain the weight and like maintain a healthy relationship with food and i think now that i'm off the meal plan like what was the purpose of my account right now it's more so like i love to cook and i love to nourish myself and i was starting to like move away from people like in recovery and more towards people who like just like really loves food and like people who are promoting food for a genuine good purpose mm-hmm. um so then i move into like more content creation based on like recipe development and like here's some cooking in my kitchen here are my healthy recipes that's like a student now going into college because at this point i'm like yeah. getting into college so now it was like a totally different ballpark right so now i'm not like recovery in high school anymore i'm like maturing like moving into a new different like environment like a new different chapter of my life um and then my content from there is more so like how can I keep nourishing myself how can I keep up the weight gain the weight sustainability that I need for my body to healthfully function like all these things um so that's like my next period of growth like how do I like maintain this like good relationship with food and now I think we'd like from there to here is like a huge jump and obviously there's so much in between but now I'm more so like I really use my platform to keep talking about these things while I'm creating food. Because I think at the time when I moved into a place, like between, so there's like three points I think here, like the very 
first, the meal like plan and recovery and then like maintaining and then now like where I am now, like after the fact, um, I think like in that middle ground, like I kind of was lost. I didn't really talk too much about like the recovery elements and like things like that more. So I was like really focused on food. And now I think, again, I'm going back to my roots and trying to give back to the community that helped me, right? So, like, talking about body image and food freedom and intuitive eating and things like that. Um, so I think that's, like, my next period of growth. Um, and I'm just happy to keep sustaining it. I'm looking forward to it. I mean, like, how do you grow from here? Like, you only – You just know. keep growing. Yeah, you just, you just find out, right? Because, like, I used to be, like, so – I think at the time – when I was trying to recover, like you have your goals lined out for you, like so like very clearly. It's like I gain the weight and then like I have this relationship with food and then like I like I work on intuitive eating. I work on food freedom. And now that I have all these things, I'm like, where do I go from here? But I guess like the, the fun is just like finding out, right? Yeah. I feel like <laughs> it's almost like your community has grown up with you. Oh my god. In a very they, cool way. So they definitely people have. who are OGs. There are people who will sometimes comment on my videos and be like, I remember the sandwiches you used to make in high school. And like, this is like eight years ago. Wow. Which are like very, if you were following me then, like I was like obsessed with like the beet hummus from Trader Joe's <laughs> and I had like a very strategic plating and like the hummus was always here with pretzels and it was just like such a specific so thing. Funny. But like people will always say like, I remember like your like lunch in high school and I'm like, you are probably the only people on earth that would remember my lunch in high school. Like it's so crazy to think, but yeah, there are people who have been around and like watch me grow and change and sometimes I'll get messages saying like they remember me in like college or like they remember like my first day of college or like my first day of classes and things like that and it's just it's so and that was in New York yeah which yeah. is like crazy because now you're moving back so soon oh, and so it's just as you evolve in your journey your content evolves and you're sharing yeah. the whole thing and you're sharing the journey yeah. and yeah. that's amazing and that's one of my favorite parts of creating content too that mm -hmm we get to see each other's journeys and support each other yeah. and you know this about me but I'm super big on sharing about my relationship with food and how I've grown from it and I feel like we have a lot of similarities in our story yeah Did you know that one in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list? If that's you, it's time to make 2024 the year that you finally check it off the list using Babbel. When it comes to learning new languages, something about me that a lot of people actually don't know is that I'm fluent in three different languages because I grew up in Brazil, I speak Portuguese fluently, and then I also am fluent in English and in Spanish, but I also am currently learning how to speak Italian because I started learning it in college for my study abroad program in Milan, but then my program ended up being canceled, so I never really got the chance to fully learn Italian, which is why Babbel has been coming in so handy for me. It's a science-backed language learning app that was designed by real people for real conversations conversations and Babbel's tips and tools are super approachable. They're rooted in real life situations and they are delivered in the app through conversational based teaching. So I've been using Babbel to learn how to order food, ask for directions and speak to merchants so that next time I go to Italy, I can practice my Italian and also speak confidently. So if you're also on a journey to learn a new language, I have a special limited time deal for our inner growth listeners. Right now, you can get up to 60% off a Babbel subscription and this is only for our listeners at babble.com slash growth. Get up to 60% off at babble.com slash growth spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash growth. Rules and restrictions may apply. Ciao. So I am curious, tracing it even back to pre you creating your account because you created your account when you were already kind of in a moment of consciousness of I want to heal and yeah. I want to gain weight back and stuff. So tracing back to before that, what was that experience like? Like, can you pinpoint a trigger that kind of led you to have a hard relationship with your body? And what was the trigger to getting yeah. help or starting recovery? It's so interesting to always like backtrack in my story. And I think this is like the case for a lot of people who come from a similar background. It's like, there's no one thing that makes you like suddenly like, now I've developed like really bad habits. It's so gradual. So like over time and it's so genuinely like good intentioned. It's just we become influenced by like the wrong things. So like for me, when I was, it was like eighth grade, it was the summer of eighth grade going into high school for the first time. And I remember like being with my best friends, like trying out for the girls freshman volleyball team. And we were all just like in a really hot gym, like in like sports bras and like really tight shorts. Um, and it was like 100 degrees and we were like working out all day in this like really hot atmosphere and things like that. 
Um, and there are people who would come and just like girls like wouldn't eat and things like that. Or I would like look at their bodies who are always like more womanly than me and things like that because I was always like a small, I'm like short. Like petite. Yeah, I was always just yeah. like, I always just felt like, like I wasn't very womanly. And at that time, like I kind of thought that was the end all be all. Like I was like in eighth grade and like my friends had like bigger chests and like bigger butts and curves and <laughs> I didn't have that. Yeah, and I, was, I resonate with that. Oh my gosh, I just looked at it and I was like, what's wrong with me? Like I felt like I was very behind. Um, and for some reason, like I was very envious of like that because I was always taught like that's healthy, like look how beautiful that is and all that stuff from like media and diet culture and things like that. Um, so now I'm in a room with all of them like in sports bras and shorts and constantly looking at their bodies. I can't help it. And so it's like yeah. what I was doing. Um, and I think that really just like put a strain on me emotionally. I didn't know. And like in the background every day being around that um, and then comparing it to my body, of course, and things like that. Um, so now we're going into high school and like I'm just feeling like I should be womanly and I'm not and I should like have a certain like, body. Like hasn't don't. hit. Did you not have your period yet? No. And I was just like my friends did and like it was all they talked about and I was just like I don't even know what a tampon looks like. Like it was just like I felt like very left out um so that coupled with the pressure of just like being comparing my body all the time um I think like I so slowly started to like wonder and I remember like googling too like how to have a flat stomach or like how to like tone my abs and things like that um we all know the wormhole that Google search is right there. Mm-hmm. It's so toxic. <laughs> so um, toxic. It's so bad because I'm on like Reddit forums and like people like in like group chats and I'm so deep into the internet. Those little infographics of like do these ab exercises. You lose 20 pounds in five minutes. I'm like, how is that even possible? And it's, it's there. There's people like under like the post like talking about it. Like it's very, they actualize, they make it very real. Um, And like being so young and vulnerable, I didn't know better. Um, so then I started coupling the things I learned online with like what was happening in my life. So at that time it was summer and I was like getting ready to play a sport. So I was like, I should be working out more. I should be doing these exercises or I should be running this amount of miles a day and things like that. Um, so obviously it came from a very good place, like very like simple. I want to be healthy, right? Like everything I searched was like, how do I be healthier? But like diet culture tells us healthy is like skinnier, healthy is not eating, healthy is working out, things like that. Which is bizarre because it's not health, right? And it's not a one size fit all thing. Like for me, like I didn't understand that my version of health is not yours or like it's very subjective and like what's healthy for me is not healthy for the next person and vice versa and things like that. Um, But at the time I was just looking for one answer because I felt the easiest, the easiest, most tangible thing to grab at was like, what is healthy? Tell me what healthy is. I'll do it. Like I was just so desperate. Um, so at the time, like I was like just running on the treadmill. I had never run before, but I was like, oh, like healthy means like I run because like people like work out and like they break like profuse sweats. So like I have to run until I'm exhausted Mm -hmm. versus like running for fun until like it feels like good and then stop when it doesn't. It's so funny the things that we think we're supposed to do. Because we've been taught like that's the right thing. And like who, who said like, yeah. who gets to say that? It's just, like, bizarre. Do um, you think there was an element, because you were saying you were finding yourself at that age comparing to the other girls in the volleyball team or maybe girls who were a little bit further on in their, like, puberty and who had already gotten their period and whose boobs yeah. grew or whatever, do you think that translated into wanting to feel attractive? Yeah, Like, wanting definitely. to look attractive and... Yeah. And going to these like misconceptions on like the things that you were supposed to do, quote unquote. I think like I looked to them and thought they were beautiful too. They were my friends. I'm like, of course, I think my friends are beautiful. But I think like I associated their beauty with the wrong things. Right. Like I was like, they're beautiful because they have a butt or like because their stomach is flat versus like they're beautiful because they're a kind person and Mm -hmm. like they have like passions that they're like expressed freely and things like that. Um, so definitely I think it's a huge part too, like going into high school feeling like all eyes are on you and like how am I like developing how am I matching up to other people like how am I being pursued by anybody and if I'm not like why like what can I do about it like that inner teen that we have to constantly be tuning back into like now in our 20s and later their voice is always there that's I think like the root cause for a lot of like disordered eating and things like that even more so than like your inner child oh for sure like I think there's so much like comparison there and I think like that was like the first time in my life where I actually compared myself to other people. Like growing up, I never really did that. Mm-hmm. I was like a very competitive person, like in like sports and things like that, and, like school. Like I always wanted to do my best, but like I wasn't like com- competitive in the sense where I had to like look a certain way compared to other people until I got to high school or like mm-hmm. right into high school. Um, so yeah, like it was just like very genuine, like starting out, like just trying to be healthy. And then the thing, like as a type A, like very like perfectionist mindset, like it was just like okay, like I start running like let's say like two miles a day or something. And then like a week later, I'm like, oh, but I could be running three. Like I need to be running three. Mm-hmm. So then I start running three. Then I can be running four. And the same thing goes for food, right? So it's like, oh, I read online that like bread is unhealthy. Um, literally 
<laughs> ridiculous statement that we could talk about like in depth for hours but like okay got us obsessed now with like our like sourdough i sandwich. need a sandwich to function <laughs> once a day at least at least but like literally reading like bread is unhealthy and i'm like oh my god like what am i supposed to eat now so then it goes from bread to rice cakes right and then it goes from rice cakes to nothing so again like where it's like where can i be doing more i'm doing it and it's just like i think i was just in such a trap where i was just like i'm looking for these things to tell me it's healthy they're telling me like healthy but I, i'm like that's not enough for me i need to be doing more so you get to this point where it's like you can't control it anymore and i think that's like where the disordered habits transition from like this like disordered habits to like full-blown like i can't function because like that's when i got really really bad and really sick um that was in college or no this is in high school still so i i feel like i have to also like address something too because people always ask me like am i sick enough i wasn't diagnosed with like a disorder or anything like that I think like it's so crazy that people have to like think that they have to wait to be sick enough, right? Like if you're struggling, it's an extreme mindset. If you're like, struggling if you're at all. Like what's a diagnosis? Like I talk about this in my book too. Like when I was actually because I had seen so many doctors in this period of time because I was losing weight very very quickly and it became like a very serious medical thing. Like the cardio plus the restriction. It was just like exactly the the no fuel and just like working out constantly. Um, I just like refused to eat. Like I had like so many crazy food rules. Like I wouldn't eat dinner with my family because I had a and I hate like going into details, but I remember like one time like this, my mom was like, eat dinner with us. And I was like, I can't, I can't, I can't because I had to eat one bite every five minutes. So I would set up a timer on my like phone and it would take me like three hours to eat dinner. So I was like, I can't wow. eat dinner with you guys because like I have to eat differently. And it was always like this mindset of like why, like I was different than everybody else. Like I, I everyone else could eat what they want and move how they want, but I couldn't. For it's so interesting because you called yourself a perfectionist. Mm-hmm. And I talk a lot about how being a perfectionist has translated into like the extreme behaviors that I've kind of grown from and struggled with at the same time. And I think it's also like a, I don't want to generalize, but also being an older sister, which we were talking about earlier today, is very real because you kind of feel like you have to carry this pressure and you have to lead by example and like you have to be perfect. And I don't know. I think there's an element when you're also really young and then you get your sisters or your brothers and then you're like the attention is taken away from you. So as an older sibling, you kind of like want attention from like being type A and being like (laughs) having all your shit together. No, 100%. I could definitely see that. And like there's so many different angles I can come out like in hindsight and look at myself and be like oh that explains that and that explains <laughs> yeah. that but as an older sibling like I definitely think that feeds into like the mindset of like I'm different because like I would never like and I, I said this too like I always say this to my sisters like I would never tell like myself like I was telling myself like I can't eat this or I have to move this way I would never say that to my sister I would never be like you can't eat that you have to work out six times a day like kind of thing but like they don't have to, but I have to. Like, why do I have to? I think I always just, like, felt I was, like, different. I deserved to suffer for some reason. And I couldn't really explain why that was happening. But I was always that kind of person that I was just, like, at that point in time, it was just – I had so many rules and so many fears. And I wasn't even doing it. Um, obviously, I'm, like, speeding through, like, things that, like, accumulated over months and even, yes, like, a year. Obviously. But, like, it goes mm-hmm. from, like, oh, I want to be healthy to I can't stop making it worse and worse and worse. And the reason you can't stop is not because you like how you look anymore or, like, you're happy with your progress. I used like to – fear. I, it's genuine fear. It's so scary. I used to cry. I didn't take the bus in high school at all. Um, my parents had to drive me because I didn't want to be seen on the bus. I didn't want people to look at me in the hallways. I used to wear like really oversized clothing, even though I didn't fit in anything. I used to wear like my younger sister's clothes because it was the only thing that fit me. And she was 12 and I was 16. It was, it's like very startling, very alarming. Um, but I used to cry my eyes out every morning before school because I didn't want to be around people. I didn't want people to see me and see how I looked. It's like a fear of being seen. Because I was like, I knew that I was in a really bad place and I hated it. I wanted, I looked to the people around me, my sisters, my friends, who were just like really just healthy in the sense that they were just like very content with their relationships with everything. Not how they looked, but like. But just like free. How they were able to eat whatever they want and move however they want and like see their friends and go, I couldn't do any of this. I couldn't let myself do any of this. And I would, I. So I actually talked about this really recently, but there was like this one time I remember my sister and I came home from school and I was so hungry because I had eaten all day and I I wanted to eat something so bad and I just didn't plan for it, right? Like I didn't make like a plan in my head, like I can have X at this time, whatever, Um, which was one of my rules. Like I couldn't like go outside the plan or whatever. And my sister just walked right past me, went to the pantry, like put her hand in a bag of chips, took some, ate some, rolled it up, put it away and just like went on with her life. And I it was like so, seeing that? it was so profound to me. Because I was like, I could never do that. Like, why does she get to do that? Why is she so free? Like, why? I knew if I did that, I would eat the whole bag and then the next bag and the next bag and then I would punish myself, right? Mm -hmm. But like, she was just like, 
right, walked right up, eight, left. And I was like, I remember in that moment thinking that that's what I want for myself. That's like, and that was what healthy was to me. It was not that she was like eating a specific thing or like doing, it was the way that she was able to go about it. And it's so crazy how it goes from, let me look up on Google, how do I get flat abs to how it can trickle down into all these other mm-hmm. follow-up behaviors and then eventually you get to a point where you're seeing other people live a life of freedom where i remember for me you'd be like i'm at dinner with my family and they're having the bread and Mm -hmm. they're having the bread with olive oil and they're just like enjoying the pre-meal bread and i'm here punishing myself and saying i can't have it but they can't have it i'm like so prideful that i'm not gonna allow myself yeah exactly bread so when did it click for you or when did it get to a point where you or your family were like something needs to change yeah so it was it was crazy and at the time like my parents were like my mom was very involved like my dad too but my mom was just like home with me all the time and like really noticing the changes firsthand um because I didn't really notice them I feel like it's hard to notice big changes with your body until like you see them like in stark contrast to something else um but I think like there came a really like significant point where she was just like oh like something's wrong like why are you why like I think we knew the behaviors were kind of bad but then like it got like very serious like medically um where I lost like a really significant amount of weight and we had begun going to our family pediatrician because he was a friend of the family and my mom was just like I trust and value his opinion and I need you to help me I don't know what to do um and he agreed with her that was like very drastic loss in weight and he was like we need to start doing like weekly check-ins and like make sure we're like on the right path and things like that so this was like a very like preliminary phase of like being with doctors and like having to monitor me um so he wasn't like an eating disorder specialist or anything like that but it was very loose it was very much like oh come back next week you better be up like whatever but like mm-hmm. in the interim like nothing to tie me to that um no like mental health support no. or even the and accountability like, from like a nutritionist and like my mom was doing everything and my mom was raising three younger siblings too at the same time and this is not something that she was like certified trained like or she, maybe even familiar yeah with how to navigate yeah literally doing everything she could and i would never in hindsight be like she didn't help me enough like she that's all she did what she could and i think like what like like i said like she's raising all these other kids like when i'm home like she's doing everything she can for me to make sure i'm eating but she's not going to stand over me with like a checkboard and like just watch me eat everything like and make sure i finish every bite like it was i had i had some flexibility that i like took for granted and we were going back and forth to this pediatrician every week just like the check-ins and like clearly i'm not making any progress i'm like not doing anything to make progress so he basically tells me like look like i didn't want to threaten this but we're gonna have to like introduce like the idea of like being hospitalized and like living in an inpatient program at the hospital um this was how many weeks this is this is probably like two months three months of me like just losing weight like i'm not i'm going to get these checkups and i'm not doing anything so he's and my mom is also like I didn't know this at the time behind the scenes. My mom is also like looking into programs and doctors and things like that. Like they're working together. Like they have to have this backup plan. They can't just let me like shrivel up to nothing and like do nothing. Um, And clearly I wasn't doing anything. So I basically like don't take this seriously. I'm very much like so defensive of my eating disorder at the time because it's it's I would do anything to protect it. I would I lost all of my friends. I like had no relationship with my family. I would lock myself in my room all the time so I can like sneak in workouts and miss events and like not have to go to meals and things like that. So I was very much in a place where I would protect it at all costs. So even this threat of like being removed from my home, like involuntarily placed in a hospital, like in a foreign setting, like force fed, like it didn't scare me enough. What scared me more was not being able to have my behaviors and my food rules and things like that, which is so extreme. It's like a control thing. It's, be, it's absolutely a control thing. It's like there was a voice. I didn't know. I couldn't articulate to you why I was afraid to like eat this one extra snack or like to like skip this workout. I couldn't say like, oh, I'm afraid because, because there was no rational reason I was afraid, but I was just, I knew I was afraid, but it made no sense. Like I couldn't articulate it to you because it wasn't rational. Um, but so it basically comes down to them deciding I need to go to the hospital, which I do. Um, and it was a sneak attack. So I was thrown into a car. Um, my parents had told me I was going to like an eye doctor appointment before school. Yeah, sometimes it literally has to be like that. It has to. If it gets to a certain point. I would have been violent. I would have, I would have absolutely fought them. But I remember one morning I got ready for school and I had like my backpack and I had like a presentation, like second period, like a whole day ahead of me. And my mom was like, oh, like I'm at, we're actually going to go to the eye doctor first. Like you need more contacts or something. So like Monday and um, and I was like, yeah, fine. And my dad was with us. I guess we were going to drop him off like somewhere for work or so. I don't know. Like we were all together. <laughs> and I remember like them driving past the turn for the school. And I was like, oh, dad, you missed it. And like they're both just like dead straight, like ahead, like staring, not like turning around, talking to me. 
I'm like, what's going on? Like my dad is full blown like racing past like all the turns that we could make. And I'm like, something's going on. Like we're not going to school. And then he like turns right into a hospital parking lot. And I was like, this is the end. And then it hits you. I'm like, this is it. And there was they they wow. had to pull me out of the car. I was like holding the seats. And I, I didn't was, realize that you had to go to the hospital. So I was there twice. Um, but this is the first time. And I was kicking. I was screaming. I was like putting a whole scene on. And I am like a 16-year-old girl. I'm not like a baby. But I'm having a tantrum. And it's so embarrassing. Um, and I, my parents are like mortified. They're just trying to help me. Um, you were still in the car or were you? I was being hospital? pulled out of the car into the hospital. Like it was, it was a scene. It was very – and my, my dad was like holding me like dr- – like I was kicking and crying and screaming. Um, so we get there and it was like a whole day of like being like intake and things like that. Um, so basically what I was in was an inpatient hospitalization program, which is like you live there um, and it's very, very supervised. So there's like different levels to like being like hospitalized for like these kind of things. Um, you could do like partial where you like go in sometimes to group therapy and have like a therapist and a team. This was like I live. I didn't go to school. Like I mm-hmm. lived here. Um, I never came home. It was like it was I think I was there for like a month and a half um my first time and then I left because I was like technically ready to go but the thing about these places is that like I don't know how it is now but there is no like because eating disorders and disorder eating or whatever it is is all mental it's like it's yeah, really it's so much more about the mind and it's all and mental and... and it's so hard for me as I always feel weird saying that because in my personal case like yes it came down to like significant weight loss and physical manifestations of this but that's not the case for everybody and but everybody is still equally like allowed to have this support like for I don't sure. I don't deserve it more because I was like physically sick like there's definitely a physical element mm-hmm. I mean for me it kind of manifested and it was funny for me because it was in a different stage of my life like I was in college yeah so I was by myself and I had to come to the realization of I need help yeah which almost, is impossible almost which it like my hair was falling like I was physically looking very different so I kind of opened up with my parents and I had to tell them like I think I need help yeah so then they kind of sneak attacked me with a nutritionist yeah appointment but when I think about my healing like I only feel like I truly moved past a lot of the inner struggles was mm-hmm. when I got the mental health support absolutely which came like two years and a half ish later which is crazy yeah and I think I'm the same way because when I was that's so true like you don't really move past anything until you work through it mentally because for me I left right and I left after I was there for a month and a half eating all the time like eating and not moving which is the opposite of what I was doing on my own obviously so obviously I meet this weight goal they have for me so I come home and like I physically look healthy right like I put the weight back on I had never been sicker. Doesn't mean that your relationship with food or exercise is healed. No, it was so much worse. It was so much worse because they sent me home with no mental health support or no tools to lean on. I didn't know how to do deal with this new body. This body that like I broke my back really right right for like a whole year straight avoiding this body. Doing everything I could not to have this body. They sent me home with this body. I don't know what to do. It was it was the worst thing that could have happened to me. And like my eating disorder voice in the back is like, look, like this is exactly what you didn't want. Like really just telling me like do something about it. So obviously I fall back into old habits like very, very quickly. Um, and that's how I end up in the hospital a second time because it just repeats itself because I had no mental health support to teach me like, no, like you, your health is beyond your body or it's not about what your body looks like. I didn't understand. I thought like I was unhealthy now Yeah. because um, I didn't I didn't know that it was so mental. I thought it was just a physical thing. Um, and I think like that was lost in a lot of the people in my life too. I think we've just been taught that like eating disorders look like this, but if someone looks like that, they're definitely not struggling, which is so not true. Exactly. And that goes back to the black and white thinking mm-hmm. and the labels and it's not really like that. Yeah, it's not like that at all. Like, I think, like, you, I was struggling so, so bad. I think this was the lowest point for me when I was weight restored, which is, like, if you told someone, they'd be like, that doesn't even make sense. Like, you're weight restored. You're healed. Because it distorts – I feel like that then leads to body dysmorphia. Yeah. A little bit. Everything, yeah. But it depends a lot on every person's story. But yeah. that second time, was that when you then started doing the meal plan and then sharing that on your anonymous account? Yeah. So that was – that. I think the first time I was in was November. I came out like December. I was back in February and I was through right till before my birthday, so like April. Um, and then, then there was a mo- lot more structure of an approach. I was working – I stepped down to like a team. I was like seeing people on a weekly basis and like I had like an eating disorder specialist therapist, so like someone who knew how to talk to me about food versus someone that's kind of more general – um, and then I had the plan um, with the team I had. So there was like a step down, a gradual progression to like, how do I how do I be on my own? Because I, I didn't really understand that the first time. Um, and that's like when I started like trying to stick to my meal plan and things like that. Um, 
And I think that really was also when I started to see food as like fun and food as like enjoyable when I started posting about it. Um, and I think that was a huge change and what made all the difference between the first time and the second time was that now like I see food – like food wasn't just food anymore, right? Food wasn't something that was just like calories. I could see food as like experiences and fun and a way of expressing myself and I don't – it was just like – And then the, it kind of trickled into the healing. Over yeah, and then it really made me like – reevaluate my relationship with food and I was able to see that it was so much more versus the first time where it was just like food in food out calories burn calories eat like it was just so black and white versus how like different like it is now for sure mm -hmm. yeah I love that and I love that you were able to channel it into everything that you've built in your account yeah. and in your social media presence and in your life yeah and I also think it's so cool that you have a book. Oh, so I yeah. really want to talk about that like yeah. what was the experience of writing oh. a book and is your book kind of like a guided journal or is it just your story and what was the experience of rewriting that yeah it was crazy I think I always grew up like a reader writer like my favorite thing and I knew from a like a young age like I'd want to write a book um it just worked out that I ended up having something to write about later in life but when I was in college this is like I'm way past all of this but we just talked about now this is like my senior year of college um so this is like early this is like 2019 into 2020 um, I decided like, I think I'm ready to like talk about this. I think I'll go I, for a while. I wasn't in a place where there was like an end. Right. So like, I was still like very much like healing, 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 healing. And I still am like, we're, we'll, we're always healing. We're always it's healing. always going to be a part of our story. And so it's going to get triggered sometimes. Yeah. Even and if you've come so far in your relationship. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's definitely like, I didn't feel like I reached a place where it was done. Um, but I was like, I feel like I have a lot to say at this point and I think I'm comfortable saying it. So I remember I spent the whole summer, um, before my senior year of college writing a Google doc and I was just writing like, it was a memoir. It was a very deep and dark and sad memoir. Um, and at the time I, I, like, I look back at it now and it was just like very therapeutic. I think it was more like a healing tool for me, but I was like, oh, this is gonna be my book. And I remember I had a professor, my senior year of college, um, who had written some books. It was like a communications class and his books were well, I'm like aliens and weird things, but <laughs> regardless, I was like, okay, I could probably ask him about the book writing process and like how to get published and things like that. Um, so I met with him a few times and it turned out to be extremely complicated. Um, I was, I was very discouraged because like you need like an agent they need to pitch you and you need a manuscript and all this, all this stuff. Um, so part of me was like, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. Um, but then like on a whim, I was just like, you know what, like one, one last like straw, because I remember I bought like a book of like all the literary agents like that I could possibly contact. And I contacted all of them. Nobody answered me. The book was like this thick. I messaged like hundreds of agents and like nobody took me seriously. And like, they sh like, why should they? I didn't know how to pitch myself. I didn't really have like anything to offer them besides like, this really long and deep and dark raw memoir that nobody wanted. Um, because I, nobody would want a memoir about someone they don't know, like things like that. Um, so I think it was like, I had just started my internship in college. Um, the one, so now I work at this company now. So it was like full circle for me, but I remember being like my first or second day and I had some downtime and I was like, I'm going to just reach out to some like publishers on Instagram from healthful and see like if they like, so they can like look at my profile and get like a feel for me. Um, I felt like it was a more approachable way to like pitch myself versus like just like a really raw email. Yes. So I was like, mm -hmm. I want them to click on my profile and go through and see the things I'm talking about because a lot of my posts were like body image related and food freedom related. Um, so I reached out to a bunch and I had one message me back who ended up actually being my publisher, but they were like, Hey, like we love what we're seeing. We love what you're talking about. Like let's talk and hear more. Um, so I was able to like pull them in from Instagram, which was fun for me. And we had a meeting and I met with this one editor and she was absolutely lovely and she really resonated with everything I was talking about, but she was like, send over the manuscript you have. And I sent it and they were kind of just like, I think we need to reangle this. This is like really sad and dark. And I was like, yeah, I know. What can we do? What can we make it different? Um, so her, like with her and like another member of the team, we kind of shifted it from, why was everything so bad? And this is like how much I struggled and all this stuff to, yes, I struggled. It was like more of like the first half of the book, but like the second whole half was like how Instagram saved my life basically, which was not something I thought to talk about like in a book. Um, but then I realized like, because no one else is talking about it, like I need to, like Instagram is like, healing tool for me it's like social media was healing um so we really kind of like workshop this idea that like there are positive elements of social media in relationship to body image and mental health like where we just like off the bat think social media like comparing our bodies bad like 
like triggers bad like all this stuff is like bad about social media like this like imposter syndrome and things like that but for me personally like social media was a tool that saved my life right like I was able to find a community of people that I didn't know existed or people that understood me on a deeper level and I was able to find myself through content creation and things like that um and building a community so we really angle the book towards that. So the first half of the book is just like my story to give like a background of like what we just talked about, basically like my high school experience. And then the second half of the book is like how I built my Instagram, how I like started like as an anonymous account, how I connected with people, how I like set up my profile. Um, and then there's like journal props throughout to basically like tr- asking you to think about your body image and like your food freedom habits and things like that. But the book is just like a combination of both. So it's interactive in the sense that there's prompts that like that really helped me because a lot of what my work was on social media that was helping me was not just posting these pictures of food, but like posting these really long captions yeah. where I was thinking. Writing and yeah. And I, what that makes me think about is the concept of expanders, which is when you see someone, and I think we probably can both connect to this is mm-hmm. someone sometimes might reach out to me and say you've shown me what is possible in my relationship with food yeah just even if I'm not even outwardly saying this is how I healed and blah 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 like if I'm just sharing my story or if I'm showing myself getting a bagel and putting it on my story like that could be eye-opening to someone yeah. that we wouldn't even realize but you were describing in the beginning of the episode how seeing other people's relationship with food also helped you Mm-hmm. see what is possible like what later stage of healing can I be at yeah I love that and I think that's like where I am now with my content in the sense that like I don't try I'm not as explicit as I used to be in saying like at the time I really needed to be like I'm afraid to eat this like this is what I ate for breakfast lunch dinner like this is what I talked about in therapy like everything was very detailed and now I think and this kind of speaks to your point earlier where you're saying like people have been following me for so long and see me grow up like I'll post a bagel too and like going out to get a bagel and someone will reply like I remember when you used to be so afraid to eat bagels and it was like a full circle moment and I didn't come out and say on my story like eating a bagel used to be so afraid but now I'm not they will know but there's just like you could see like in like how happy I am or like you could see like that like it's just like I the way that I post so nonchalantly about something that used to scare me shows growth without explicitly saying it's growth um so I think that's huge too and that's like something I really try to do in all of my content like even if it's just a silly little food recipe like I'm having fun making it. It's a part of my life. It's like a way that I connect with like my friends and my family. Like there are so many unspoken pieces of this content that you don't need to be so explicit with anymore. And I just love that people can just like tap into that. I think like you could show so much by how genuine you are um, by just doing so little, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And in the span of this long social media journey, what are some of the biggest things that you've learned? And it can be something as it can be whatever comes to mind, really. Yeah. I mean, I've learned some. I think for me, um, a huge thing was that I was on all the time. I was always on social media, always capturing everything I was doing. I felt like I always had to be like showing what I was doing. And the older I've gotten, the more mature I've gotten. I've kind of taken a step back in that sense because I realized how much of my life happens offline. Um, and that was a huge kind of point of contention for me while I was like growing really quickly too at, at some periods of time because I was like, oh, if I want to keep growing, 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 I have to be present, present, present. Um, but then it got exhausting and there was so much burnout surrounding like being online all the time. Um, I felt like I was only doing things for content. Um, even when I did my week and recaps, which people are still asking me like, where are they? <laughs> I do them here and there, but I used to do them religiously, but I, there were some weekends where I wanted to do nothing, but I was like planning things on purpose because I was like, really? I need something for a week and recap. And I was like going out of my on way. Story. Yeah. I was like going out of my way to like make plans. And I was so miserable during these plans. I was like, I don't want to go to this coffee shop. I want to just lay home, but I have to have a cute picture of a matcha. And like, I really took a step back and I realized like, I kind of need to live my life offline and share what I want. Um, and I think as content yeah. creators, people sometimes feel that they're so like entitled to knowing everything that we do. And like, we have to show everything we do. Um, we're just people. Like, I'm just trying to, like, I'm just trying to lay in bed sometimes. And, like, <laughs> I'm not doing the coolest things all the time. But, like, people are like, where are you? Where are you? We can recaps. And I'm like, they'll be back. <laughs> they'll be back. But I'm like, I did nothing this weekend. That is my recap. And, like, yeah. the fact there is no recap is the recap. Um, So just, like, really taking time to understand that, like, life happens offline. Um, sometimes Which is huge, especially when your job is, is content. Yeah. yeah, because it's, like, what is content and what's not. You know, especially if you want to, like, consider yourself lifestyle and, like, that's something I would love to do. And we were talking about this earlier, but, like, I would really love – like, I'm a lot of food right now, but my life is so much more than food. Um, So I want to, like, start sharing more of that. But, like, how much of that is content? How much of it isn't? It's, like, a How do you set boundaries? As a lifestyle creator, I definitely understand that. And I think it's something that I'm also constantly learning is how do you 
separate? How do you draw the line? How does that impact your relationships? Like, how does that impact your romantic relationships and your friendships? And what is the level of sharing that you want to have? Yeah, like, I want to be more private. Like, like sometimes I want to be more private. Like, even when, like, I'm on a date with my boyfriend, it's like, okay, I'm going to put my phone down. Like, I don't need to record every single thing we do at this dinner. Like, it's fine. And sometimes I do record. Like, I'm like, yeah, phone eats first. Yeah. But it's joke. It's joke. It's funny. Post it now. Maybe post it later. Yeah, it's a fine line for sure. Yeah, you don't want to overstep. And I think, like for me, like I, I have come to a place where, like, coming from a background of where I like basically sabotage all my relationships, my sisters, my friends, like my family, like I isolated myself completely, like made sure I had no relationship with anybody, so I can just like focus on me and my disordered habits. And now because I have that background, like I value relationships so much more. They have so much more meaning to That's me. That's your Libra rising. Yeah. That's your Libra is rising. Is it? Ah, yes. Love it. Libra is all about your relationship. I just I they're just they're every single one I have and I try I used to really just feel like I needed to have a hundred friends. Like I like I remember being in like middle school or high school and like not getting enough text on my birthday or like mm-hmm. being like, oh I'm not cool because like so and so didn't text me or like I only got six birthday texts like in this hour. Whatever. Like it was a huge deal. Like my birthday was so much stress because I was like really just paying attention to who like wanted to talk to me. Um and I just valued like having a lot it's of friends. Like a validation yeah. that you get from that I want people like and- that people want to talk to me or like care about me. Um, yeah, so that was huge for me. Like yeah. way back in the day, I was just like, I didn't care like the value or like how deep the friendships were. I just wanted all of them. I was like collecting them. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. now I have like a handful of friends that mean the world to me and like acquaintances here and there, people I like care about, but I, I just really, all my time and energy goes into like this handful of people. It's a small circle, but it's my entire life. And it's just like, it's so rewarding. Yeah. yeah. I feel very similar to that. Yeah. I think for so long in my life, I wanted to be a part of a friend group and I wanted to have this presentation of my life Yeah. instead of working with what was going on and kind of going with the flow. I was like pushing against the flow and mm-hmm. trying to have something that wasn't flowing in my life. Yeah. And nowadays I have this attitude where it's okay to know a bunch of people and like have different levels of relationship, but truly nourishing and pouring into your closest friends yeah. is what matters. And like knowing who is truly there for you and then giving back to them yeah definitely I think I struggled with that too like knowing who really was my friend for the right reasons I think like in high school like I like I hated it but I was like the sick girl right like people like were like oh she was in the hospital oh she like Mm. looked sick like she was a sick girl and like everybody wanted to know what was going on or everybody wanted to be close so I had like a lot of people who would like check in with my mom and be like how is she like send her my best like let me know when she's home I'll come and see her people who like could not be bothered with me in high school before right like when everything was normal and fine but now I'm the sick girl and now like they need to like be the one that knows everything now they need to be my friend and at the time and even like shortly after like all this had passed I was like oh I would think about this person x or y or whatever and be like oh they were so good to me they were so kind to me like I want to be their friend and as I've gotten older I could see like what it really was I could see it was just like curiosity it was just like needing to feel important it was all of these the elements trying to be nice yeah like they were just like in it for the wrong reasons and it just took me until like very recently to realize like okay, I can, like, care if that person does well, but I don't need to be part of their life anymore. And there were so many people that, like, I, like, unintentionally, like, cut off. Um, Not even, like... It just happens. Not sometimes. even on purpose. Yeah, just, like, just, like, kind of just, like, okay, like, we can move on from that stage of my life. And it felt weird at first because I was, like, oh, like, what would I do if they're not my friend? But they weren't even playing an active role in my life anyway. So I think, like, it's, like, a really spring-cleaning kind of mindset. Like, what can I just get rid of? Because it's just, like, taking up space. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the letting go, too. Oh, it's such a release. I'm, like, yeah. I can look back now at 25 to when I was 16 and be like okay like I know this person this person this person like really were there for me and like I can hold on to those and like I value that over like trying to pay attention to like what didn't work out because it's a waste of time yeah 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 and right now in this age of your life at 25 what do you feel is the one thing that you're learning the most or growing the most from I think for me it's just like not locking myself into being this one person like whether it's like what I love first of all like one body right because I think it's taken me this long to realize my body will change like all the time my body is never the same like every stage of my life my body changes because like my schedule changes and my habits change and things I'm interested in change and that reflects my body and for so long I was so adamant about having the same body because I'm like that's the body for me like that's my body I identified myself with my body um especially when you grow up being the petite girl yes it's just like you're the, you, you're the little one like you identify with so then when people that. stop saying that about you're like what happened like why am I not the little one anymore it's like you're just different and that's it and for me like I think for so long especially like in college and I'm like 21 22 I'm like 
I felt very disoriented that I wasn't in the same body I was when I was 18, which in hindsight is ridiculous. Like I'm not going to be a 25 year old woman with an 18 year old's body. Like that's not for me anymore. And that took a lot of letting go. And that took a lot of acceptance of like the unknown, right? Like I didn't know what body I was supposed to have because I thought, okay, like that's the body I've known my whole life. So now I don't have it. What am I supposed to have? There maybe isn't anything you're supposed to have or anything exactly. you're supposed to look like. Exactly. Because it's so fluctuating. I think I'm at a place now. And I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned is that like, my body will not look the same at this time next year or it could, but it doesn't matter. Right. Because it's like, that's not the focus for me anymore. Um, but the same thing goes for like the kind of person I am or the kind of things I'm interested in, things like that. Sometimes I'll just sit for fun and go through my camera roll like a year ago today. And I'll see things I was like eating. I'm like, Oh, I don't really like that anymore. Or say things I was like doing or like workouts I was doing. I'm like, Oh, I haven't, like I used to love Peloton this time last year. I was obsessed with it. Now, like I canceled my membership and I like back. I'm like, I don't really miss it right now, but will I go back? Maybe. But like There's still the option, it's like yeah. embracing changeability. Yeah. Or like being just so open to it. I'm just like, okay, like it's interesting to see how I've changed because these changes happen like so quietly under the radar. It's like you don't really notice until you step back and like look at For the For sure. Picture. Yeah. And then I yeah, I think about that all the time when you look back to another phase of your life and see the things that you loved and the workouts that you were doing and like, things when did you I were stop? like eating all the yeah. time and it just kind of changes over time. Yeah. And I used to always think that was a bad thing. I used to always think like it meant that I wasn't able to like hold myself accountable to anything or like because so type A, I'm like, when did I fall off? Right. Like when did I stop doing the right thing? But now I'm at a place where I'm just like, okay, like I'm very much like this is a chapter in my life. Everything is chapters to me. I love books. But like I'm like this chapter of my life, like what does it look like? What do I look like in this chapter? What is the current chapter of your life called? <sighs> Mm, I don't know. I think we're coming to the end of one, honestly. Okay, what's the end of the current Well, this chapter? this current chapter, I think I think I would mm, this chapter has been long because I think I'm gonna categorize this whole chapter as when I moved home from college for COVID. So that's like yeah. three years. Um, but that was definitely just like I don't even know what I would call it because it was there's so much happened. I moved home from school, I basically ended college. I like moved on to a new chapter in the sense that like I wasn't I was living with my family again and I was like not going to class. I was supposed to have a job and like being like a functional adult, which is it's still like not okay (laughs) still like not working um in my head but then also like I had connected with a lot of old friends at home because we moved from COVID so I met my boyfriend and we started dating so that was a whole new chapter in in this new chapter already um and I had a lot of changes with my body last year too I was still I think really healing some other attributes of my like whole life um for one thing like I was really I never really in college like drank a lot because I was still very much afraid of like liquid calories so now that I'm home and like reunited with friends we were going out a lot and having a lot of fun like it was really like especially in the summers we would always go down to the beach and like go out and things like that and I was enjoying myself so much and I think that was really the time where I challenged like my relationship with alcohol and drinking Mm -hmm. so like there was still there's still so much work like I I'll never be like healed in the sense where it's finite because I always feel like there's something new I can be like challenging myself with or growing in um so that also happened in that chapter I think like I really overcame like any like last lingering fears right um so that was huge for me and then obviously like my relationship like really got sped ahead and like developed and things like that um so that was huge too it's like pleasure and like learning how do you learning how to just allow yourself to have fun and have pleasure without guilt with no strings attached because like for me like in college i'd be like okay like i went out with my friends like whatever i'll I'll allow myself to go out but i will book a berries class at 7 a.m the next morning because i have to undo it but then now being home with my friends like it's so rewarding and this is like earlier too like seeing my sister like so freely eat a snack it was just like we'd all hang out and drink and the next morning like do you want to go get bagels you want to just like hang out and like not something I would do myself but seeing someone else do it I'm like oh I feel I feel like I can like it's like the expanders thing yes exactly and they like really just like taught me how to not like be normal but just like to just let go you know I'm like oh well if you guys can do it I guess I can too it was like a full circle moment um so that happened in this chapter there's so much happening in this chapter it's very long but I think now that we're so when I'm moving in October and I'm going to be back in the city. I think that's going to be a huge like next chapter. chapter. That's a new chapter. So we're just going to get through the summer um, and my Greece trip. Ah, spoiler. And then, and then, yeah, I think that's going to be a new chapter. New, going to be back in the city, going to move in with my boyfriend for the first time. Um, Just going to really be on my own again um, since COVID. So that will be a new chapter. So I'll keep you posted on that. Yeah. And we'll be living in the same city. Yeah. We're going to see each other all the time. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. Let's do some rapid fire questions. Sure. Go out the episode. I do this every time with all of my guests so Amazing. let's see what comes for you okay oh, and just answer intuitively don't overthink it perfect 
Okay, first question is, do you have a quote or a mantra that you love or that you live by? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so I um, I drill this one to death on my account, but all discomfort is temporary is my favorite mantra of all time. It's just, I, it could be applied to literally anything. But for me, it was just like when I was gaining weight and recovering, it was such a big one. And that's when it first rise to the surface. It was like, yes, this body is uncomfortable and this eating habits are uncomfortable, whatever. But the reason I relapsed so many times was because, like, I couldn't get past that discomfort. I didn't realize it was temporary. I thought it was forever. So really, like, leaning on those words, like, yes, it's happening now, but this is not your end-all be-all. And I apply that to literally everything I struggle with now anyway. um, Everything is temporary. Like, literally everything. So it it makes everything feel, like, so much less serious. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Just, like, it's easier to live. Everything is temporary. Literally everything, which is crazy. So, like, why do we worry so much? Yeah. Facts. Okay, second question is what makes you feel like your higher self? <sighs> mm, I think just connecting with people the way that we do, the way we're doing right now. I just I, I will ride this high all day when I leave. Just like getting to talk with someone who understands and who is interested in the things that I'm saying makes me feel elevated. I just yeah. feel like and it makes me feel like I'm so grateful for what I went through because now I'm able to have these like conversations with people who can benefit from them and who can see themselves in them. And I think we're just like opening conversations that like need to be had so I think powerful conversation I I think that's yeah I just I feel so good after I leave conversations like this yes (laughs) amazing yay I feel like that's like tell me you're an extrovert without telling me yeah I've definitely transitioned to more of an extrovert (laughs) in in recent years so I'm proud of that (laughs) okay next question I like think you should stay open and share whatever comes to mind because I know you're a book queen yeah but do you have any books that you would recommend to anyone listening? It can be related to what we talked about yeah. or it can just be completely unrelated. Okay, so I'm very like niche in my book taste because I know a lot of people love like romance, like mystery or like things like that. I <laughs> I always tell people and I think I told you this one time and you were like, what is that? But I really love dark academia, which is like <laughs> yes. super niche. Um, and I think I read every book that can possibly fall under that category because it's not very big. Um, but basically think like dark mystery, like in a, like a higher education level setting. So like some like kind of like prestigious liberal arts college and there was like a murder. It's like super specific. Um, so what's like your this, favorite one or a couple Like The favorites. Secret History is a dark academia book. Um, I also love The Goldfinch by the same author. That's not the same category, but it's fine. Um, Tomorrow and Tomorrow and Tomorrow is outside of that category. But I just downloaded that on my Kindle. It, does it get good? I read I, the first page. You don't like it? I was it? like, this language. So what you're, what for me, I'm very much like, um, like a character study over plot person. So I feel like there's two groups of people when they read. They, they want like a really fast paced, really interesting plot and they want a lot to happen. For me, I love these long character studies where like they will tell the like, story of a family or like characters like a couple or something mm. over like a lifetime and people Have find you read a little life yeah it's my favorite book that's my favorite book and it's it's kind of exactly it's that. exactly that it's a it's a long character study and a lot of people get discouraged by that kind of book because it doesn't feel like there's much happening but like i love that it's so real like this is life like this is life like sometimes all like, oh, that doesn't happen but like what can we find in it that's small and beautiful and i think those like, character study books are like do a great job of that so a little life is my favorite book tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow is similar so i don't know okay so i think i'll like it you'll like it if it, if you like if you appreciate that kind of stuff you'll like it um i recently just read the latecomer which is a similar vibe um amazing very good as well so i'd recommend that but yeah, I don't, I don't know. Love I'm not it. like I'm not like a love romance kind of person. So I I wish I could be like Colleen Hoover everything. I'm like I'm yeah. a Colleen Hoover lover, but because I love so many of her books, that's why I think, for example, when I pulled open tomorrow and tomorrow yeah. and, tom- and tomorrow, I'm like this language. It's is different. So different. It's different. It it's just different. sounds so different. It's gonna read differently. The vibe is different. I mean, I've loved what I read from her, but she's like not my favorite. So I, <laughs> I, I, I I'm not like slandering anybody, but like that is those are those are my top books. Yeah, I would definitely okay. recommend anything on that list amazing (laughs) love it last question if someone didn't hear this entire episode except this part what would you want to leave them with i definitely want everyone to know that (sighs) we talked about so much i definitely think like change is good i think that's like the simplest thing i could say like change is a good thing change is change is not does not mean failure change does not mean anything bad i think for me like change is so constant that like it's like when I'm not changing I get I, I'm nervous I'm like why am I not developing why am I, I like I itch for change I think change is such a good thing I think we need to like change the narrative around change right like we're just like always taught like strive for like this one goal and it's like what do you do after that one goal like we have so many people trying to hit like a weight loss or goal or like a like a whatever the goal is right like you know and then you get to that goal and like what happens next like there's more change to be had I think change is a good thing we don't really talk about the what's next um 
So, so embracing that there's always going to be change. That's yeah, that change is inevitable, and accepting change and and welcoming change with with grace and open arms is probably the best thing you could do for yourself. Which I think shows and summarizes your growth because so much of your story is about control and yeah. trying to keep that control. But then when you're able to surrender and release and let it go, then you can welcome all the change that can come. Yeah, there's beauty in the unknown. Like Thanks. I really think like I for so long I was so resistant to the unknown because I didn't control it, and now I welcome it. I love it. Yay. <laughs> this was an amazing conversation. Yes, definitely. Can you plug yourself and share where people can follow you yes. or get your book? So my book is available on Amazon, Barnes Noble, um, probably anywhere you get books. It's called The Body to Love. So you can find it there. Um, and then you can find me at Healthful Radiance on Instagram you can, and TikTok. You can literally find it at Barnes & Noble? Yeah. I mean, you could order it from Barnes & Noble. I don't know how many stores stock it still. It's It's been a while. But yeah, so I definitely – I have the links in my bio, um, Instagram and TikTok. So – Definitely Amazing. Check it out. We'll have all of that linked in the description. Yay. Thank you so much for coming on oh the my God, pod. Thank you for having me. This was so fun. This was amazing. And to everyone listening, thank you guys so much for listening to today's conversation. If you liked it or if you think a friend would benefit from it, definitely share it with them. Tag us in your stories. And with all of that said, I hope you remember to water yourself. And I'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.